Welcome to the Desire to Grow podcast, a podcast focused on growth in all aspects of life, whether it's spiritual, physical, and mental, helping us grow in our careers, relationships, and hobbies. Please note, the following views expressed are my personal opinions and stories. If you seek professional help, please see a professional therapist or counselor. I'm your host, Sam Dish. And this is episode 5 with Quebec Lee, traveling the road to being the Vice President of Corporate Sales at a fintech. Welcome to another episode of the Desire to Grow podcast. I'm really excited for another episode today. Today I have the honor of speaking to someone really close to me and I'm keeping that trend of talking to millennials who have been experiencing a lot of growth in their lives. So today I will be speaking to Quebec Lee. Quebec has had a big role in my life because he was my first ever manager in a corporate setting. Um, he is someone who inhibits that growth mindset and I, he's someone who's been a mentor to me in my path. So I, I can't wait to begin a conversation with him. He is an alum from UBC, University of British Columbia, and he has been working in various roles from marketing and now sales. He started off as just the, just the associate level about seven years ago and grew all the way to the vice president role. So he's definitely someone who's experienced a lot of growth in his lives and I can't wait to talk to him, see how he's done it, and also the amazing person he is. So can't wait to begin the conversation. Welcome to the show, Quebec. Thank you, Sam. Just happy to be here. Yeah, so um, common theme I'm going to go around with starting these episodes is starting it off with that growth mindset. So when you hear the term the growth mindset, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, you know, when, when you Google growth mindset, you know, the first page is all about um, Carol Dweck's uh, um, difference between fixed mindset and that of a, a growth mindset. You know, they talk about like the, how the different mindsets talk, uh, deal with challenges, obstacles, um, uh, their overall effort, uh, criticism, and ultimately success. Um, and for me, growth mindset has always been very simple. Um, you know, everybody has a story to tell. Everyone has their own experiences. And what they do with those experiences is ultimately going to tell, um, you know, w- whether it's a growth mindset or a, I guess, so to speak, a, a fixed mindset. Um, for myself, it's the profile in failure. Um, you know, we've, it's ultimately um, a very important asset to everyone, to everyone's uh, experience, because when you go and experience new things, you will, you will put a, a title to it, whether that was a success or a failure. And there's no such thing as a overnight sensation or overnight uh, success. You have, you have to see all of the efforts that you put in and all of that culminates towards that profile of failure. You know, what have you learned? What are the, some of the key uh, feedback that you uh, that uh, people that uh, you've surrounded yourself with have given you, and how can you actually use that so that the next time an opportunity comes around, you're able to uh, basically apply the previous knowledge that you've uh, learned from that profile and failure, and understanding that these challenges will come time and time again, and ultimately accepting it. Mm-hmm. So that profile and failure gives you more self-awareness, whether it be in professional setting or personal setting. And really using that as a basis, really using that as, a, as your core belief system that you have to go through that, those different types of and profiles of failure in order for you to succeed. 
I think that is the fundamental basis for me when it comes to that growth mindset. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. Like, uh, as you said, the profile of failures, I feel like failure is kind of needed in that way to, you have to go through struggles, right? And it's kind of like a muscle, right? The more you go through failure, the more you build it, it gets stronger and stronger. And it's about having that open mind, right? Because if you're containing it and you're fixed, like you said, you're not going to be able to kind of grow in a way. You're going to contain your growth. But if, you, if you're willing to learn from each failure, you're kind of growing from, from, from it. So no, that's good. I, I really like that. Um, and now talking more about you. So you've had quite the journey, as I said in the intro, like um, starting from uh, going to UBC. I think you've worked in marketing before and then you went into sales. And then you you found ex- extraordinary growth in your career. So I'd love to hear your story, like a recap of the past few years since university to now. And yeah, yeah. If if I can take that a little little back a little further, um, yeah. You know, I, I I'm a Korean national, um, but I grew up in Thailand, and I I attended an international school all my life, which was a which was based off of a British curriculum. Mm. So you know, um, I have had exposure to at least three or four different cultures whether it be in in Korean culture through my parents and my family and of course me that's where me myself uh, I, I, I identify myself as a Korean but also in the local culture of Thailand as well as the um, the I guess more of a UK uh, influence culture especially when it comes to my schooling and my education and then I um, I moved to Vancouver for university for UBC um, and at that time, the decision that I made when I was 18, you know, I had no idea how it would impact my life. Um, it, it's such a profound one if you look back and, uh, and think about it. You know, when I was 18, I really had no idea what I, I was getting myself into. Um, and four years of, of UBC was uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, it was such an international university as well as having... Um, such Canadian roots, it allowed me to to really open my horizon and my view of the world because it, it really gave me access to people with different backgrounds and understanding and experiences. And, you know, people are everything. Uh, people that you surround yourself is literally everything. And it taught me a lot. And I remember um learn going well having to learn so many little things that are if you look back now it's so trivial but having to find a uh, a job um to uh to to basically pay for my my dormitory fees and then having to find another job to to pay for my uh, day-to-day uh, living expenses um and uh, at the same time looking for research assistant positions in, in areas that I wanted to excel in and also in areas that I was very curious in, in, in the ways of knowledge, in the ways of education. You know, having those three jobs at the same time, you know, it kept me busy, but it, it built the core foundation of me, which is that um, always, always strive to be curious and, and know that there is no end to learning. Um, and you can learn in so many different capacities and ways. You can learn from by just having a, a, a wonderful conversation and discussion with your friends over a, a beer at uh, your university pub, all the way to a compelling discussion in class with your professors. It was just uh, such a, a welcoming environment, uh, my experience in UBC. Um, and I, I finished university and I had a very romantic view in life. I. I wanted to uh, 
find a job that allowed me to travel. Um, money was the last thing on my mind, even though I had such a, uh, uh, I guess, uh, a gruesome experience in having to juggle work and well, three jobs and, 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 uh, and my classes during my four years at university. Still, you know, money was the last thing on my mind. I wanted to learn and I wanted to travel and I wanted to continuously experience the stories of different people. And I found a job at a uh, um, local uh, language school that allowed me to, to basically scratch that itch. Um, I was responsible for maintaining a relationship between the school and the host of agent and student recruitment networks in uh, mainly in South Korea um, because I spoke the language. So it allowed me to travel back to the home country. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, I, I grew up in Thailand. So, you know, as much as I would like to say that I know of Korea and know of my home city Seoul, I never got to experience it as an adult. And, um, you know, traveling for work, it was such a cool thing as well. You know, when you graduate from university, you're, mm -hmm. You're uh, in charge of a market of developing the market that's already seen as a very mature market in the ways of student recruitment and trying to figure out how to do things differently. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first time I really un understood the, the importance of being unique. Um, you know, there are billions of us out, here, out there and we are all unique in our own ways. And uh, how to communicate that um, was the most important thing for me. And I learned that through this job, through this role. And, you know, I, I was pretty successful in what I was doing. I was able to uh, create new relationships as well as maintain the one that uh, the relationships that the school had already had. And I went back to my, uh, my boss at the time and I said, I want to open up more uh, uh, agency uh, relationships in different geographies. And she said, where? I said, well, you know, at the back of my mind, I said I wanted to. Tra I, I always wanted to travel to uh, to Mexico. I always wanted to uh, travel to Taiwan. I wanted to travel to all these different countries, but I also needed a, a, a way to get home without having to pay for those uh, really expensive uh, plane tickets. So I said I wanted to open up Mexico, Taiwan, and uh, Thailand. Uh, she said. Well, give me, give me a business plan and give me your three months, six months, nine months, and 12 month plan. Um, and uh, we'll measure the economics uh, behind it. And then uh, if that all checks out, you, you'll be free to go. So I put that together, um, channeling my, uh, my understanding of, uh, of especially the Thai market and the local presence that I had there. You know, I was uh, able to utilize the, mo the model that I had used for Thailand, for Mexico, and and I started to go to those countries too. And, you know, it, it, it really, that was when I, I guess I, I was able to say I achieved something that was purely mine uh, in a very corporate setting. You know, it's not your uh, typical corporate setting because you are still working for a, a higher education and that you're dealing with a lot of students. But my role was strictly B2B and, um, and it really allowed me to, to appreciate the, you know, the amount of work that you put in, the amount of effort that you put in is exactly what you'll get out. That, that's that phrase that people have been telling you day in, day out since you're born, you know. Um, and, uh, and then I was uh, able to, to grow that market. And we had a lot of new students coming in and, of course, grow that revenue. Um, 
and that was sort of the marketing and sales introduction to to my uh, to my life. Um, and then I I, uh, I was introduced to to Cambridge by a friend, and uh, I met um, I met a uh, a senior executive uh, at the time of in charge of Western Canada who interviewed me, and I saw this person as someone that I could really learn from, uh, someone that I could uh, bounce ideas off and, uh, and create a positive externality from the onset of just discussions and intelligent conversations. And it allowed me to be comfortable enough to say, okay, you know, I, I think I want to make that switch to finance because I've always had that uh, uh, natural introduction to foreign currency you know like i said earlier i'm korean but i grew up in thailand so you know i've always seen my parents look at the uh korean one to thai baht conversion um you know we traveled a lot as a, as a family and we used to go to hong kong quite a bit so we looked at thai baht to hong kong dollars and then we and then when i moved for, to uh, vancouver you know we i was also exposed to the thai baht to canadian dollars and korean one to canadian dollars so i've always been exposed to it and i've always been curious as to what that looks like from a corporate level and when uh, Cambridge came knocking I I definitely wanted to take that opportunity and I joined as an associate and you know my I'm a compassionate storyteller I, I like to share my stories and I like to listen to other people's stories as well um, and you know being in a, an associate level position where you are largely responsible for that uh, cold outreach via emails or calls or what have you um, I was able to articulate Cambridge's story and how I fit in that story and how that prospective client could potentially fit in that story with um, a clear common object objective of uh, helping the client out and understanding their business and coming to a very unique solution as well so that it really scratched all of the, uh, of the, of the uh, curiosity that I had as well as the, the, uh, the wants that I, that I had in finding the next role and that's sort of how i came to to uh cambridge and how i came to join as an associate uh close to now seven years ago wow i i love it how and when you kind of talk about your story it's like everything that you did kind of built your foundation to where you are now like in university you were doing several different things you didn't just do your education you're you're involved with extracurriculars you're very curious you tried different things you had jobs and I feel like all that kind of like went into your mindset, how you did things. And then your role was quite amazing. I, I didn't know that about you actually. I know you worked at an education place, but I didn't know your story behind it. So hearing that's quite interesting. And um, how you touched upon what you did. I, I, I'm 100% sure you didn't sign up to do like only that, but you went above your current accountabilities on the job description, I'm pretty sure. Because you wanted to, for example, open more markets. So I feel like what you always did in your role is you never really settled for what was um, the pay or what was the, the actual um, job description. You always wanted to be curious. And I think that's quite amazing. And hearing that foundation of kind of Cambridge and how it stemmed your curiosity to kind of grow more, is quite interesting. So um, great story, Quebec. And uh, now kind of more about Cambridge. So it, you, that was your journey, of course, to getting there. Um, but how did you kind of, um, in Cambridge now, you're the vice president, so it's been quite the journey, but what are your current accountabilities now in your role that you are in right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in a very high level without getting into the nitty gritties, um, as uh, in my current position, 
I am responsible for all sales staff, uh, well, pure sales, because we do also have a, a sales that is also in the dealing capacity. Uh, but I'm in charge of the associates, the position that I was in, uh, the account executive. Again, the position that I uh, promote was, was promoted to from an associate um, to the account managers, which are more senior level sales. So, you know, I, I manage the day-to-day, the, -day, the, the pipeline of uh, new revenue opportunities and new client uh, relations. And, and uh, I am uh, responsible for also trying to, you know, revamp on, on how we do things here in the world of sales. You know, this year, what's happening this year is a perfect example, is an impetus for change, you know, uh, how we react to the, the market conditions and how we are able to, to take that and channel that into something more positive so that, so that our salespeople are given the tools to succeed. Um, and that's one side of it. The other side of it is on the uh, training, you know, and on the recruitment, you know, um, finding the right people is always going to be an important part of any organization. Um, people, again, like I said earlier, they're everything. It's everything to, yeah. to, to uh, an individual, to a company, you know, it is the people that make um, the company. And, uh, um, you know, those, uh, those key people that we hire is also very important that they know that we are continuously making the investments in them. Um, it's very important that they feel part of this organization as well. Um, so all of that sort of uh, bundled into one, as well as uh, working with other various departmental heads, like in credits and compliance uh, and operations to make sure that there's a continuous uh, a fluid flow of communication between that of sales, because you know, we are, taking our clients' needs and taking it internally to our the various departments and saying, hey, these are the things that we need to, to deliver the solutions that we are trying to build for our clients. Yeah. And it has to make sense for them. We don't believe in a, in a cookie cutter uh, solution. Every single uh, company has a way of deciding things and the way of doing things. And it's up to really us as salespeople to understand that and take that rhetoric to our um, different uh, operational and compliance and credit departments so that we can get the best solution at hand in front of our clients and ultimately to manage the expectation in a, in a proper and a, of course in a respectful manner as well. So that's sort of my, my overarching uh, uh, description of uh, my current role as well as copious of other things but that is the most important thing you know it's uh, how do I go about my day-to-day -to, -day to make sure that my team and of course overall the overall sales uh, ecosystem of Cambridge is performing at an optimum level and we can continuously deliver quality assurance and quality control so that we are doing the right things for our clients, staying right by our clients as well. Yeah, no, it's quite interesting to hear that because when I was working at Cambridge about two and a half years ago, I think at that time you were a senior manager. So hearing how your roles kind of evolved um, is quite interesting because more, I, from at least my memory, it was more, of course, on the pipeline too, but also on the training side more. But it looks like it's much more on the strategy side now too, as you've grown to that VP level. So that's quite interesting to hear. And uh, I'm happy for you. I mean, great fit for the role. So, um, and you've been Thank doing you. a great job. So that, that's amazing to hear. Um, but now also in sales. So keeping your team, I think you have a team of like around 30 or more now, but how do you keep uh, your team motivated in like uh, an environment like sales, especially like with corporate sales, like cold calling, 
uh, all that, it, it's, it, it does get hard at times, but how do you kind of keep your team motivated? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very loaded question. You know, there are so many ways to, to answer that. And there are so many different things that are happening um, day to day, week in, week out, month in, month out. There are so many initiatives that are happening. There are other departments that I rely on uh, um, to bring uh, diversity in their day to days. But, you know, first and foremost, I always <clears throat> get my team to understand that the only constant in this world is change. And it's all the, it's been expedited all the more, isn't it? Sorry, it's been exacerbated rather all the more this year, back of pandemic. Um, and, you know, it's also giving them the true and honest feedback as well. Uh, feedback that is important because we need to and analyze as a team together on what are the things that are within our control, like our efforts, our activities. Um, what we say, what we don't say, the content that we're sharing internally and externally, um, as well as the things that are, that are not within our control that, uh, we, we, that we know that we have to let go or, or we, know how we, we should know at least how to pivot from a strategy perspective. You know, like it's, better, it's basically giving them the, the constructive criticism in a way that is basically prevalent to, to what they're essentially doing. So, you know, we would, um, we would always look at from a high level, you know, what are they doing right now? So we'd say, you know, what has changed? What hasn't changed? What have you done differently this time? And what are the things that you're looking to, to maintain? Uh, and that's a very KPI driven um, conversation. But the, the human element is always going to be the key thing here. Um, the human element is, you know, every, we have a very good team that, you know, they're willing to also learn and they're continuously uh, being curious at uh, different ways that they can deliver value to their clients as well as their prospects. And we sort of, uh, I bring it down to a human level. I say, you know, the, the worries that you have um, are, we have to understand that, that the primary cause of stress uh, is rarely the situation itself. Um, it's merely our reaction to it, our thoughts about it. So first of all, we try to isolate the situation and their feelings from to it and from it. And then we, we understand, we have to understand that, you know, what, we have to understand that, you know, what keeps them awake at night is also what makes them dream. Um, what uh, makes them weak in the knees, but still gives them the strength to continue. Mm -hmm. And um, what makes them restless should still give them the peace and the hope. So by being able to isolate the situation from their thoughts, we're, we're able to, to uh, achieve exactly that. Um, but at the same time, you know, going back to my earlier point about understanding that you know, there's a lot to learn from the profiles of failure. We, you know, uh, did not, were unsuccessful in onboarding a specific client uh, for whatever reason it may be. It's very important to also appreciate the things that we did well and the things that we did right um, so that we don't lose sight of, of our core competency and our values. Um, and also, you know, the last point on the human element is to basically acknowledge the, the hard work that they've put in um, and, and really show it with data. 
um, you know, you, you say, you know, you recognize that uh, last month, uh, you know, your activity wasn't as uh, at the level that we needed it to be. And, and that has resulted in uh, a certain ABC results. You know? And then right now in this month, you, you've definitely changed that. You recognize that you need to do more or you need to do less of certain things. We're seeing that, uh, that evolution. Uh, we're seeing that uh, the change within you. And it's to recognize that and to also commend them on that as well and continuously challenge them as well. I think that's key. Yeah, just to kind of stay on this. So I, I fully agree with what you said, because even when me working directly under you, you're right. It's about that continuous coaching, that, that reaffirming that you're doing well to tell that, tell that individual that they're doing well. So they, they stay motivated. Um, but just to stay on this now, like now that I'm thinking, like, of course, it's been, has it been harder now, especially like when the pandemic first happened, shifting from going to the office um, to kind of staying at home, wasn't it kind of harder, you think, from a coaching sense to do that? Yeah, kind of in, that, in that way. Absolutely. Um, but there is that fundamental thing called trust um, that should exist in any good team. Um, trust that uh, that there is open communication. Trust that uh, that there is a, a group effort. Trust that you are part of a larger engine. Um, and with that trust, there's a lot that you can achieve. And of course, technology was a big component in helping our team work from home. You know, we've largely done very well um, with, as we pivoted from a work environment, office environment to a work from home environment. Um, and we put some structures around that. Uh, we made sure that that whenever we are sharing best practices or ideas, you know, it was done in an open forum where other people can chime in and say, oh, you know, I did, this, I did something very similar and these are the things that worked for me. I continuously try to provide that platform for sharing. And, you know, it, it really allowed us to virtually replicate that, um, that almost like that water cooler conversation that would otherwise happen in an office. Um, and continuously provide uh, uh, guidance is a key thing to so, so normalize that they're not, um, you know, normalize the current situation that they're not alone, that they're a part of this team. Whether it be, you know, they're, whether it be that it's just virtual calls or virtual meetings. So how we did that was I created um, a curriculum of uh, things that were outside of sales. You know, we really looked at team bonding. We looked at, uh, talking about um, anything but foreign currency and international payments technology. Um, we did the virtual uh, um, Friday evening after work uh, beer uh, happy hour. Uh, we, we, and we talked about uh, uh, and like things that we would normally talk about uh, after work at, at a pub. And, um, you know, and that sort of led to, I'm sure, an element of that, you know, Zoom or GoTo or, or Teams or virtual call fatigue. Yeah. But um, having that, that element of uh, speaking about anything but work, um, whether it be a 20-minute call or a 30-minute call or an hour call with a set agenda and that everyone can come and share, it really allowed them to, I think, in my opinion, um, to replicate as much as we can from a virtual level. And then, you know, when, when from a one-on-one -on -one perspective, it's very important to, to uh, set an agenda. Um, yeah, we know that uh, 
the one-on-one that I have with them will be about the, the pipeline and the KPIs and the different strategies and initiatives that we are running and sort of the challenges that they're having, all of that. But I would also put a pipe uh, agenda on, uh, you know, like what are, what was the two, what were the two things that you did over the weekend that, uh, that was fun and different in, in this uh, lockdown environment. Um, and just that continuously having that human element uh, was definitely a, a key thing to maintaining efficiency uh, in, in a both uh, group setting and also in an individual setting as well. Wow. Yeah, that, I, I love how you said the term virtualizing the water cooler uh, thing, because I feel like that's so huge. Like, that's something I remember at Cambridge all the time when I was working there. I was like going to that water cooler. There would be someone there talking to them about virtualizing that. I feel like adding that human touch is so important because for me personally, like I felt like for me, like do, being in that internship, um, biggest thing I learned was like technical skills are really not really the most important thing. It's more the soft skills, the social skills. And it was, our, it was those water cooler moments that I usually built my social skills, built my, my soft skills that helped me do better on the actual job. So I love how you said virtualizing that because I think that's so important and the way you adapted is perfect because virtualizing all those events and more the human aspects, I feel like is really important and needed in today's world. And for the audience listening, I, I, I want to like tell you, like if your work's not really doing this, suggest it to your manager, right? If they're not really doing um, things that are more online that we're adding that human element and it's just work, work, work. I think it's really important to add that piece. So um, I would definitely make the suggestion to your manager, but no, that's great, Quebec. I, I love that answer. And um, now kind of going, uh, I guess kind of towards this too, because I talk about internships, but um, say it's a university student, um, they want to do a co-op or internship at Cambridge, or even they're considering a career in corporate sales. Um, what's some advice you would give them in terms of how to break into the career? Because even sales and trading itself, it seems like a lucrative, pretty um, tough career. So how can you break into that kind of career and um, what are some tips you would provide them? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about a lot about that question because um, I'm very passionate about, you know, having uh, co-ops and, and interns join our team because it really allows them to, to see something outside of what they would normally expect and see from a textbook or from, a, from their lectures that they have. And it's so important to to their um, to building their character and and, and um, helping them decide whether uh, a certain industry or or role that they thought that they would go into you know after university you know is it going to be worth their time? Um, so you know I, I really take a lot of uh, importance in, in in that. The key thing is that you know, mentorship is definitely a key thing. I would say reach out to your network. Um, you know, everyone is uh, first, second or third degree of uh, separation or connection on LinkedIn. Um, you know, uh, talk to your professors about uh, speaking with um, someone that's already in the industry um, and asking them out for a uh, virtual coffee right now, I guess it's uh, in, in a pandemic and have a, a few lines of questions that you want to ask, but send that in uh, beforehand as well so that you, know, you give them a chance to, to also think about that as well. Um, and so that mentorship, it, it will be absolutely key. You know, speaking with that, that stakeholder that is already in that role or in that industry and getting their insights will be absolutely important. Second is, um, I would say, 
asking yourself, you know, do I sincerely have an innate curiosity behind this industry? Um, you know, that's so important. I, again, I want to go back to, I want to go back to, to, to share how I felt when I was uh, looking for a job and after university, you know, that I was looking at from a very romantic viewpoint of like, oh, I have to scratch the, this itch of like traveling and, and uh, doing, leading my own initiatives and, and, and being in charge of, uh, of my own initiatives and, and actually having a material impact on the business. Um, and that was where my passion was at. And I looked at what are the mediums and what are the industries that I could uh, go and achieve that. So I did a lot of uh, questions. I, I wrote down a lot of questions that I had for myself. Uh, and I try to answer them on my own by doing the appropriate level of research um, on, uh, on the internet, as well as uh, speaking with those uh, mentors and contacts at those industries. And um, I would also, you know, it's hard now, obviously, but I attended a lot of uh, conferences um, that fell within that industry that, that I wanted to go into. So I, I remember attending a webinar and a few trade shows and, and uh, conferences around, uh, you know, uh, the higher education and sort of the, just, just to understand the ecosystem that, um, that I will be putting myself in because... You know, guys, you have to understand that work is a big deal because you are spending a lot of your time and energy and effort. Um, so it has to make sense for you. And in order to best answer that question for yourself, nobody's going to know this for, for sure. And everyone has to, you know, try different things and I guess, quote unquote, fail um, to, to find that success. But if you do these things and, and attend these uh, sessions, it should give you a better understanding of that overall ecosystem and the processes that you will be throwing yourself into um, so that it would potentially make sense or not for you. Um, and finally is to have a focus group, create your own focus group. So the questions that you have asked uh, your mentor, the questions that you've asked yourself, ask that in a focus group. Um, I did that with my, my friends as well. I, had a, I um, spoke to a friend who was in, doing his uh, degree in Bachelor of Fine Arts, so completely different uh, thinking and, and, and coursework to me. Um, I also uh, had someone in the graduate level, so someone who's experienced a little bit more about, uh, about life and, and finding a job right after university as well, and um, so, as well as a family member. And that focus group also gave me a different insight as well. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that you need to have the maximum amount of exposure that a time and your energy permits, and then ultimately write down all those notes and then, and then come and deliberate on a, on a goal that will result in short-term goals, so one to three years, uh, medium-term goals, four to, to six or seven, and long-term goals. And... It'll, it'll also uh, help you shape what that looks like for you. And it's okay to pivot. And it's okay to change. Um, but that'll help you, I think, you know, in, in finding whether a specific role is for you. So if you bring that back to specifically in corporate sales, you know, I always say, do you have that curiosity of trying to understand 
how the prospect and that client is going to be different and how they are different and what is it that they're different in the ways of decision-making, in the ways of processes, in the ways of uh, anything and everything under the sun, um, finding that, that curiosity. And if you have that curiosity, I would say that uh, you know, corporate sales is definitely something up your alley. Um, and taking that further, I would say, you know, do you like storytelling? Are you able to, to take what uh, is given to you and uh, put a, a, your own story behind it? in the ways that you can share your own experiences that makes them understand what is it that you do and how is it that you can help them. Um, because sales is, is, is ultimately all about storytelling so that they understand whether the, pro the product or the solution that you're selling to them makes sense or not for the business. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that, that hustle, that grit, yeah. uh, to be able to wake up in the morning and say, yes, I can, I can do this again. Yes, uh, I'm willing to learn again. Yes, uh, rejection is okay because I'm learning. Yes, uh, I can take on the success and then, and then think to myself, okay, what can I learn from this and take that further and further? Those things uh, will help you ultimately understand whether a specific role is for you, a specific industry is for you, and ultimately uh, to answer the question whether this uh, corporate sales is for you as well. Yeah. No, I, I, love, I love your first part of the answer too, where you talked about it's important to build mentorship and especially with co-ops and internships. Like I don't want to talk about my experience here with Cambridge because I worked in a junior analyst role, research analyst role with under Quebecly at the time. And I remember my, my role was unique because when I got hired, um, the, minor, the manager who had hired me actually, he had left the company. So I didn't even meet Quebec till I started the role um, after. And I remember at that time, um, I, I, was, I was like, okay, this could be a bad thing or a good thing. It's how I view it. And even, even at that time, Quebec himself wasn't even in the office. He was in Calgary office. So Vancouver. Vancouver office, sorry, Vancouver. Yeah. And um, so it was quite unique. And I was getting pretty much onboarded by the VP at that time, um, the VP of business development. And I could have saw that as like, okay, I'm, I'm the VP of business development. I got to really, I'm, gonna, I'm scared. I got to do whatever I can. Or I could either see that as an opportunity. I'm like, oh, shoot, I have an, I have an exposure to a VP now. I can do, I can ask him some questions. I can learn. And I took the other lens. I didn't see it as like, oh, I didn't get hired. The person I hired with is not there. I took in the lens that I have more exposure now. Ironically, my desk was right behind the VP's office too. So I remember um, I was the type of guy, like I was always curious. So my, my job was like really, I had to build a sales pipeline for the associates. And to be honest, like my target was I think 30 or 40 leads a day. And that would only take me three hours. And I'm like, okay, I'm working it for eight hours. What am I going to do for the next other five hours of my work? And another part of my job was um, kind of the technology and research spot. So that's where I was super curious about. I'm like, it takes me three hours to build my pipeline. What can I do for the other five hours? And the beauty, beauty of internships and co-ops is there's no really set role or set like definition. You can kind of get out what you most want out of it. And I remember at the time, like my, my course role was to build a pipeline for associates, but I was also curious about the technology part, the actual CRM platform that we're using Salesforce. So what did I do? I, I started sitting down with the business analysts. I would book meetings with our business analysts. I would sit down with them. I would book meetings with our VP and I would start building all these notes of how we can improve our current process. Did, was that expected for me? No, but the internship gives you a platform to kind of do that. And that's where I kind of found my passion too. I'm like, 
So what is my passion? Was it corporate selling? No, what it was, it was kind of looking at processes and improving them. And I, I love how you said the mentorship piece because I remember when Quebec came now to the office, Toronto office, um, two months later, I had like this 20 page Word document of notes on my KQ bag. I think we can make the process better. And I remember showing it to him and that's when my role completely evolved. I'm like, instead of me just building leads now, it was me improving a whole process, implementing techniques and working with everyone on the floor, not just associates. So I guess what I'm trying to say out of this is don't set yourself up for just what's on the job description in a co-op or associate because you can do so much more. And um, when I had the experience at Cambridge, I had the platform to do so many different things. And how did I do it? It was my curiosity. It was my choice to um, go to my VP's office, knock on his door and be like, hey, I have all these things and bounce ideas off. I didn't have to do that, but I decided to do it. So um, I really agree. Mentorship and all that is so important. And being, being curious is so important. And you always want to be in that position to learn and, and be curious because that's how you're going to expose yourself. And then find what you want to do after university. So i um, sorry, your, your answer really resonated with me there. And then I had a flashback of my experience at Cambridge. So. <laughs> no, that's great. That's, no, that's so, fantastic. So if you ever want to uh, do an internship, do you guys still do the junior research analyst position? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So really good position like that, that helped me find my passion. And now I work in uh, business analysis. So that's helped me find what I wanted to do. So definitely a really good internship to do. Um, but kind of to go more to a, uh, another side of things now. So um, that was more for co-ops. Um, but right now you are hiring full out flight associates. And mm -hmm. you did talk a bit about this, like the hustle, the grit. But when you're hiring a full-fledged associate now, um, not only after university, but in general, um, what are some things you look at for that associate? Like what when you're hiring them? Yeah. I look at, um, I, I try to understand their role in a previous uh, setting that caters to team ways of thinking mm -hmm. and team-based thinking. Um, I fundamentally believe that, uh, you know, there's organic motivation when, when people be know and, and they, are, they believe that they are part of something larger than them, something bigger than them. Um, so I look at uh, what are some of the oppor uh, opportunities that they've had in the past or some of the experience that they've had in the past that, that, um, that shows uh, team-based thinking. And, and it could be anything. It could be um, specific uh, experience that they had working on a group project uh, in university all the way to in a, in a sports team or you know, being part of a family uh, business uh, since they could remember. Um, and everyone is unique. Right, everyone is different, so I try to understand their stance on that, um, and that because the, that, that's re, that's important because it goes back to what I said earlier about the organic motivation, mm. um, and they have a. Uh, I'm lo also looking for someone with a natural curiosity, uh, not just in in foreign currency or capital markets, but also in the in the ways that. Uh, specific business or industry functions um, and I look at that uh, how do I sort of look at that I look at that in the ways of like that I, I get to them to tell me a little bit about their passion and uh, why is that they're passionate about it you can tell a lot uh, about um, the way that they think and what they expect um, 
by understanding, you know, their passion and how they measure their own passion. Um, another thing that I also um, definitely do ask is, you know, who are you outside of the resume? You know, I, I think that's so important. Um, it's just a one pager, you know, you can cram as much as you can about all these different uh, experiences and your university education, et cetera, uh, into one page, but you know, you're more than that. So tell me about you, tell me a little, a story about you. Uh, I would like to know that um, because when you are hiring someone, yeah, you're hiring that individual, but you're also hiring that individual to be part of your larger team. And that team is important how that team functions is important mm. and how you, and, and, and how you surround yourself with people and like-minded people, different-minded people is also very important. So, you know, I, I sort of get a try to get an understanding of that. And, you know, another thing that I, I definitely make a point to ask is what is the ultimate difference between product selling and, and solution selling? Mm. Uh, that's such an open question. Uh, and depending on their experience, they'll tell me different answers. And that is fantastic. And I love hearing about that. Um, yeah. You know, I had an interview today uh, with a, uh, a guy that just graduated from university and um, he had never um, had a, a sales position before. Uh, you know, he had uh, some brief encounter with sales here and there in, in co-ops and in and internships and also some jobs here and there during university. Uh, but, you know, under and listening to their, to their take was huge. And finally, I look at whether they are listening to understand or listening to reply. Mm. Um, is that, does it mean that I'm looking at active listening? Not necessarily so, but if you already have an answer before the person you are having a dialogue with has finished their question, mm. then you're listening to reply. Yeah. But if you listen to understand, then you should, it's completely okay. And you should be asking a question if there's something that you didn't understand fully or what is it that they're looking to achieve. So, you know, that element of self-awareness can be brought about in many different ways. And, you know, everyone has, uh, a different way of answering that question and, and sort of uh, different ways of exhibiting that skill set. But those are the thing, key things that I look for. Okay. And I love how you said that listening to reply, listening to understand, because I think it goes back to the growth mindset, fixed mindset. I feel like if you're listening to reply, you're more fixed mindset, you're narrow minded. You already have an answer before you even heard the person. Right. But if you, if you go back to the open mindset, the growth mindset, being open-minded, that goes more listening to understand. And everything you talked about was pretty much soft skills. It was not even technical. Like I feel like the big misconception with capital markets is that especially for the associate level is that you have to be a financial expert. You have to have your CFA. Um, if you look at Quebec's answer and the audience listening, I really want you to hear this. Like, if you're considering a career in capital markets, Quebec didn't even talk about once um, for the sales side about having your CFA, having your financial degree, um, I think what's more important here is the curiosity to learn. So if you don't have the financial knowledge, um, being willing to learn it, right? And I think that's the same, like you don't, do you look at like finance uh, knowledge in the, in the job description or are you more? 
and uh, an interest or inclination towards learning more about finance and economics is always a nice to have yeah but those knowledges can can you can always learn those things but that attitude that's that uh, the soft skill is something that uh, that you know you can only get by having different onsets of experiences and i'm not saying uh, professional experiences i'm just saying experiences overall you know have you traveled have you gone backpacking we understand that uh, we're not looking for three, five years, three to five years worth of experiences from someone who just graduated university. No, but we're looking at what are some of the key experiences that they have and how are they able to articulate that? Yeah, no, I think it's you. And, and, and most of the people I've talked to when asking this question, it's always been the same thing, at least for a corporate sense is that it's more the soft skills and especially the era we're living in now, like, we're living in an information age where you can Google anything. So knowledge is at our fingertips. It's not, it's not important of if you know something, it's important of how you find it out. Like it's not, it's not how you Google. It's not like, it's not Googling, but it's about how to know what to Google. Right. And Mm -hmm. going back to my internship experiences, I always knew what to Google because I was curious about improving Salesforce. So it's about that curiosity and soft skills, I think, which is the biggest aspect. So I think that's huge. And I really want our listeners to listen to this. Like if you're considering a career in finance, corporate sales, um, soft skills, it's all soft skills. Don't be tied up towards the industry itself. Of course, be curious about it. But if you have the soft skills and the willingness to learn, you can get that job and um, the curiosity and the itch, like like Quebec said. So that's good. Um, so now more going back, I know we talked about the industry, what you look for, but we, I want to go back to you now. Um, so you, um, of course have had a amazing career. We've talked about it, but what's one thing you wish you knew before you started your career? Yeah, I wish that, um, that I knew that I had time that I could take the time. I, that it was okay to be on my own timeline. I started to, you know, uh, compare myself with my friends who already had a job lined up, who already knew, you know, that they, what company that they wanted to work for, um, where they knew what kind of role that they will be applying for and how they will be interviewing, what exactly they were looking for, you know, um, and it's, uh, I wish I knew that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my own timeline and that's completely a-okay. And it's brave to, and courageous to take the time to figure out, you know, what is it that you really want? Because like I said earlier, that nine to five job, you know, you're spending a lot of time and energy. I don't want anyone to, to uh, wake up on uh, in Monday morning and be like, oh, is it Friday already? You know, it, it shouldn't be that case. It should be, you know, what am I going to learn today in my job? What am I going to learn with my peers, from my colleagues, from my, my manager? Um, you know, what are some of the things that are, that are happening in my day-to-day, in the, in the ways of my professional life? How can, they, how can it better me as a person? How can I grow? You know, and the only way you can come remotely close to achieving something like that in your first job, and, and it's hard, but it's to take time. You know, but there's a fundamental difference between taking time and being lazy, all right? Like, it, there's, there's no such thing as all oh, time, you know, it, it heals all or, or what have you, but that's, it's not passive. It has to be active. It's, so staying true. 
it's like kind of taking the time to reflect, like, like you said, it has to be active. It can't just be like doing something where you're not utilizing your brain. It's like taking the time to reflect on who you are and finding your why, because that's going to influence you more in the long run than you looking at people. Cause everyone has their own path. I think I love how you said this. Cause it's something I've noticed about me too. I've always looked at my people who are like, Oh, got this job, this, that, but everyone has their own timeline. Everyone has their own path. Right. And I think self-reflection and finding your why is so important in the, in that sense. Yeah. It's, it's uh it's not a sprint. It's definitely a marathon. And you know, whether you get that job or not, or whether you experience failure or not, or success or not, it's literally just one chapter of your life. Mm -hmm. So we can't let a specific event or a specific role define us. We can definitely self-reflect uh, to echo your point and see what are the things that we can learn and use that as a springboard for better things to come. And, and that's the only way that I can truly, you know, you can truly say that you're learning and you're growing. Um, so I wish that I knew that, you know, uh, yeah. before embarking on this, uh, in this journey. Yeah, no, and that's, that's, that's good. And if we're more talking about like an example now of a failure, for, for example, like, uh, that's one thing you wish you knew, but if you were to talk about, cause you were, you said this a lot too, that like failure is important to grow, build that resilience, especially having a growth mindset. I think failure plays a big role in it. So what's like a recent failure you went through? or a struggle, um, how did you adapt to that failure and struggle? And how did you come better out of it? Like, what did you learn from it to become a better person? Yeah, that, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, I say interesting because it, 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 I guess it tests all the stuff that I just spoke about with you, um, more or less. But, you know, one of the, you know, one of the struggles that I've had recently um, is that on the back of a on the back of a, uh, a pandemic, you know, you you struggle to to maintain that social aspect, just like millions of people around the world, um, and the ones that are closest to your heart are sometimes the ones that um, uh, that you largely could potentially overlook uh, or um, think that it's always going to be there and that, you know, because you have that level of comfort. So one of the struggles, you know, that, that I went through was that main, the maintaining of that, um, how I would typically contact someone or be in touch with someone pre pandemic, how that shifted completely through that interaction out the door during pandemic. Um, and it's, it's even, of course, exacerbated, of course, um, because it's the uh, you know, holiday season and everyone wants to be with their close ones and family and loved ones. And, you know, we're, we're unable to do that, um, you know, and how I was able to overcome that was first is to recognize the shortcomings, understand, again, what were the things that are, were fully within my control that I perhaps overlooked and didn't bother doing and what are the things that were outside of my control that played a, a role or a factor um, in this? And coming up with an action plan that was realistic. Um, you know, anyone can write down all these different things that people want to do. And then they look at it at the end of the day and they say, oh, I haven't achieved any of that. And it really, it's a crushing blow. But under, writing those, uh, those uh, realistic goals that can potentially 
change not the not the perceived outcome, but how but change how I perceive it, how I would look at it, and how I would understand it, and what I get out of it. Um, and it's not necessarily a selfish view because you know how can you um, change certain things about your environment if you're not willing to change yourself? That's the point I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And once I've established those action plans, um, I put a I put a immediate call to action. So I looked at the things that I wrote down and I said, okay, point A, I'm going to address it by doing uh, these, all these activities. Um, and, and then, and then allowing, allowing a very um, set time to it so that I all hold myself accountable as well, you know, and, and uh, relationships are so important relationship with uh, your colleagues your friends your family you know your loved one it's so important and it's the, the basis of uh, you know of, of us being human um, mm. so overlooking that during the pandemic and throwing myself to work yeah. you know was a uh, was a big factor yeah. so the that you know getting that back to the level that it was was a big struggle and uh, you know I can largely say that I'm very happy with the progress that I've made since coming to that enlightenment and I uh, I know that um, you know more better and more and better things are to come uh, as a result of me wanting to change and organically changing my actions and my thinking and my attitude towards it yeah I, I can really relate to that too because even with me like um, when the pandemic hit, I feel like it was such a shift to us. And I remember like, I put, I put my full effort into work too. I remember going working eight to nine hours to now working 13, 14 hours. Cause I was not commuting anymore. I'm like, might as well put into all, all work. But then I saw it was affecting my relationships. And I, I think it's so important. I think, I love how you said the writing it down, holding yourself accountable. That's something I've been actually doing since the pandemic. I did it right now too. But like that writing down, even just writing down in the week, if you make a plan, meet this person. The fact that you wrote it down, you're holding yourself accountable means you'll probably do it much more likely than you not doing it. So I, I do agree. I think that's such a huge answer. And especially one during the pandemic that I feel like a lot of people can utilize. So I, that's really good. And just to wrap up now, I, we've been talking for a while. Conversation's been flowing. But just to wrap up, I guess kind of just a fun question now. But if you could create one law in this world, um, what would that law be and why? Yeah, it's a very difficult question, this, because you know, there's so many things that I, I would like to do. There's so many different uh, things that I've been thinking about uh, when, I, when I got your questions. And, and this one's, this one's uh, stuck out for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I must have written down like, 15 different things that I thought, okay, maybe, you know, they, these will be, will be good answers, but I, I want the law of, of three, the law of three. And what that means for me is, you know, before we react to anything, whether it be good news or bad news or unwelcome news or anything and everything in between, um, or completely sudden news that uh, you felt like it came out of no nowhere, is to take three minutes to yourself mm. and to write down three things. Um, why does it matter? And what are your emotions to it? And how will this affect you? 
those are very open-ended questions. But you know yourself how you will write that, write those answers down. Mm. And answering those three things in the space of that three minutes will allow you to take the time needed to react accordingly. Mm. And you can be rest assured that 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 was that was entirely you. It wasn't uh, it wasn't you trying to be different or catering to other people or or your or that specific situation in that instance, it really allows you to digest that information, go through the emotions and react to it accordingly. I think that law of three, very, you know, hard to implement, I know, but that's what I go through. I try to go through on a, on a day-to-day basis and it has helped me tremendously in both personal and professional setting. Is that something you found online or is that like a trade? Is that like a Quebec trademark? Is that like the credit by you? I wouldn't take a, I wouldn't take a, a credit for it. I'm sure, you know, smarter people than myself, people that have done a lot more research on human psychology have better ways of articulating this, but those are, this is what has worked for me. Yeah. No, I really like it. Um, I think self-reflection is so important sometimes. And it goes back, I, I think it ties it in perfectly to the whole concept of what we talked about in the show, the growth mindset, because being able to self-reflect, write three things, sometimes it's important, for example, to take a step back, to take two steps forward. So taking a step back to reflect for 30 minutes, write three things down, I think is so important because that will help you sometimes take two steps forward instead of one step. So um, another powerful answer, Quebec. And I really enjoyed having you on the show, like just reconnecting with you. I know we didn't really chat. We chatted here and there, but it wasn't like a good conversation like this. Hearing your story, um, hearing what you've done and the impact you've had and what also you're doing at Cambridge has been quite inspirational. And um, I really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, so yeah, Quebec, thanks for being on this episode with me. I can't wait to get it out there to the audience though. So. Thank you, Samish. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for allowing me to share my story. And I think what you're doing here is absolutely fantastic. And keep going and uh, stay healthy. <laughs> thanks, Q. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for making it all the way to the end of the episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you like to watch short clips of the episode with video, the YouTube is available and the link will be in the description. If you like what you're hearing and are looking forward to future episodes, please follow on the platform you are using and also share it with your network. The next episode is going to be about education, where we talk to someone who's currently doing his PhD in economics at one of the top schools here in Canada. It's interesting to talk to him, get into his mindset, and see what he did to get into the PhD program. If you are interested, stay tuned for the episode. See you all next time.